I would say that for people who are in a really good marriage, which we're fortunate to have, who have a lot of respect for each other, both on the personal and professional side, that it's a recipe for success. Welcome to Dear Human Resources, a show about HR topics and current trends. Our guests are practitioners and researchers who share their in-depth knowledge and experience with the goal of giving you an insider's look at human resources. I'm your host, Marilyn Germain. Today, we welcome Stephen Rothberg and his wife, Faith Rothberg. Stephen is the founder and chief visionary officer of the company College Recruiter, and Faith is its CEO. Welcome, Stephen and Faith. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us here. Dr. Germain, it's a pleasure to be with you. Thanks. So we're going to discuss some pros and cons of co-directing a company with your spouse or living partner. So Faith, how long have you known Stephen and how long have you been co-directing your company, Cottage Recruiter? I've known Stephen for 31 years. We just uh, had our 29th wedding anniversary and we have been co-directing the company. Mm, me officially working in it full-time and co-running uh, it, I would say, for the last 15 years or so. So about halfway through your marriage, roughly. And congratulations on your 29th anniversary, by the way. Thank you. And actually, the fact that we started running it together 15 years ago, we actually, I have a background in IT and management consulting, and I uh, have an MBA. And so we actually made a lot of the major decisions in the business from the beginning of when Stephen actually started the business shortly before uh, he met me. And then we definitely did a lot of it together. So how did you decide who would be the CEO of your company? Oh, I can take that one. So uh, when I founded the company back in 91, through the time when Faith officially became CEO, which I think was 2008, we didn't have anybody with the job title of CEO. Um, some people referred to me that way, but I never had that title. I was always sort of uncomfortable with it because we were we were much smaller. We were just a few people for most of those years. But what happened was that as our kids became older, more self-sufficient, they were in school full-time and whatever, Faith was gradually spending more and more time in the business. And we, we realized a couple things. Uh, one was we always knew she was really good at managing people and enjoyed it. We always knew that I did not enjoy managing people. And then I think uh, we became pretty aware that I was also not good at it. So it was a pretty easy decision <laughs> for us to say, let's have Stephen focus on what he does best. And let's have Faith focus on what she does best and, and leading and managing much more in her lane than mine. And so that's the primary reason why she became the CEO. And I focused on things like business development, partnerships, sales, that, that kind of stuff. So from a practical standpoint, I assume you work in the same location. Are you physically in the same room when you work? That's funny. That's a really great question. When I first started working in the company full-time, we lived in a home with a beautiful office space and we shared an office. And we quickly learned that when, when we did make a transition to apartment living, that we wanted to be in separate offices. Um, and so 
now we work about as far apart as we can get in in our apartment. <laughs> Do you ever think that you see too much of each other? I mean, you literally cannot escape each other, especially in an apartment. Yeah, I think, you know, the biggest thing for Stephen and myself is actually when we are in our offices, uh, during a lot of the day, we don't see each other. When we worked in the same office, it was quite frustrating sometimes because Stephen did do sales and business development. So he was on the phone a lot. So sometimes it was hard to concentrate. Sometimes with his very strong, deep voice, it was uh, <laughs> hard to focus and loud. But now I feel like we have enough space that we stay apart most of the day and really only end up seeing each other in the morning and in the evening. And we actually really like each other. So in some ways, we do spend a lot of time together, but we seem to make room for each other for our own space as well. Now, I'd like to have Stephen's take on this. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to be careful, right? I have to be careful to say the right <laughs> thing. No, no. Um, what Faith said is, is absolutely true. And when we shared an office, she's absolutely right. I would be on, on calls and Zoom and stuff a lot more than she would be. So she would have to be careful to be quiet. And when I, when I was talking and she could only hear my side of the conversation, it's really, really difficult to concentrate. So there were loads of times where I'd be on a call, she'd grab her laptop and she'd go to the living room, like like all the di different floor in our house and, and and all the way across it so that she wouldn't be interrupted by, by my loud talking. Uh, she does something that I don't do. Um, I have lots of faults, but not this one where she will sometimes talk to herself when she's working. So kind of like vocalize <laughs> out loud. And so I'm like, I was continually thinking, it's like, is she talking to me? I better pay attention. She's my wife and she's our CEO. I better, <laughs> better to pay attention. So getting separate offices, but in the same home and so far apart from each other, just the, the floor plan is relatively large that I literally cannot see or hear her or vice versa. That really helped. It helped her become a lot more productive. It helped me become a lot more productive. We typically will work almost shoulder to shoulder, laptops, coffee, you know, on the coffee table, maybe with the morning news on almost every day. That goes for usually an hour to two hours. Then we kind of gravitate to our own offices and then we'll kind of circle back. 4.30, 5, 5.30 in the afternoon, um, you know, kind of getting dinner ready and, and for the evening. So we are definitely with each other a lot more than most spouses, but it has worked a lot better for us to have separate offices. So what would you say the pros of co-directing a company with your spouse or intimate partner are? I think that that really depends upon your spouse or partner. And I'm not just saying this because she's on the, the podcast or would be listening to it later, but it's very easy to work with somebody like Faith, whether she would be reporting to me, which for her sake is a good thing she doesn't, and or working side by side, shoulder to shoulder, or if I were reporting to her, anything she's she's very patient, very even keeled, has a good sense of humor and, and lets things kind of slide off. 
I would say that for people who are in a really good marriage, which we're fortunate to have, who have a lot of respect for each other, both on the personal and professional side, that it's a recipe for success. But I think if you've got marital discord, or you've got one spouse who really doesn't respect the other one professionally, then I think you're setting yourself up for failure. And if we had either one of those, then I think that any kind of problems that we would have in the marriage would just be exacerbated yes. by problems in in the business because they do intertwine. I mean, if I make a mistake at work, let's be honest, it's not going to be kept in the workplace. We right. live and work together. It's it's mm-hmm. going to spill over. That's right. And that's exactly what it's called, a spillover effect, where things from home, we take them to work and things from work, we take them to our home. So uh, that makes sense, uh, Stephen. Now, Faith, what do you think the cons of working together? Uh-oh. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so thank you, Stephen, for those kind words. Now, we are very fortunate that we have a very strong marriage as a partnership, and, and it works well in business and in life. But I would say the cons are really some of what Stephen mentioned, which is, and what you guys were just mentioning with bringing work into personal life and personal life into work life. The lines are very blurry. And at times we've had to, you know, make a conscious decision to separate it more, uh, especially when we had young children and there was a lot of personal family stuff going on at the same time as a lot of stressful work issues. And I think that's probably the biggest con. And you feel like everything sometimes is in one basket. Uh, When Stephen mentions if there's a mistake in the business, if it's something that whether I do or another person does or Stephen does that that causes us to lose money, it's very stressful. And that stress much more easily spills into our personal life than if we were in two separate jobs and businesses and and came home and talked about it. So sometimes the other con I would say is that you want to blow off steam and you want your partner to sympathize with you on the personal side. But Mm -hmm. sometimes because we're talking business, that piece is hard. It's hard to blow off steam and then we have to remember to tell each other that quite honestly, I'm just blown off steam, you know, especially if it's about another employee or something. And, you know, there's differences with, well, do we take action or are you just, you know, you're just venting kind of thing. So I think that becomes a con too sometimes. And I suppose it's fairly easy to take your personal disagreements, personal disagreements, not just about the business, but personal disagreements to work and vice versa, like we were talking about earlier. But how do you deal with that? Do you have boundaries? Do you set boundaries? I can take this. I hear about a lot of couples that are partners, married, um, sometimes even like uh, siblings that might live together. You know, they're there 24 seven and or roommates, whatever, but people who are kind of with each other 24 seven, and they talk about a bright line at, you know, at five o'clock, all work discussions end, and they don't start again until 8am the next day. That's never been what we've done. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's realistic for the two of us. And, And part of that is that 
mostly we love what we do. I mean, we certainly have bad hours and we'll have bad days and we've had bad weeks and bad months at, at work where things are going bad, you know, just struggles, you know, might lose a customer. There might be a decision we've made that is, has created a problem, but we've never tried to pretend that our work and home lives are separate and distinct. They're not, at least for us. So it also then doesn't force us into this box of, you know, hey, Faith, it's 5.01 p.m., workplace ceases, and now we only talk about what's on Netflix. It, you know, it just doesn't happen that way. We certainly talk more personal in e the evenings and weekends, and we talk more about work during the day, but there's not this bright line in between them. I do think it's very easy to take personal disagreements from the home into the work and vice versa. And one of the things that, that truly has been fortunate in, in our relationship is that we've had very few arguments. I mean, over 31 years, we certainly will have disagreements. We'll certainly have different ways of looking at things. And I, but I do think at the end of the day, we have a lot of respect for each other and we really listen to each other. It doesn't mean we're always going to agree, but in our business, at least we work very hard, not just the two of us, but all of our employees to sort of stay out of each other's lanes. If, if this is an issue that faith is accountable for, I might chime in and give my two cents worth, but at the end of the day, it's hers. And if she wants to go in direction A and I want to go in direction B, we're going to go in direction A. And the same thing applies with somebody outside of our marriage, our CFO or a salesperson in our company. If it's in their lane, at the end of the day, it's theirs. And so that also helps us stay out of trouble is just to sort of understand whose decision this is, who's responsible or accountable for it. And then that person really drives any kind of decision that, that we ultimately make. What about differences regarding your business? How do you work those out? Differences about the business really come into that accountability. So in, in our business, we follow what's called the Entrepreneur's Operating System, EOS, and have for something like five or six years now. And there are different roles for different people, different accountabilities. They're very black and white. They're very clearly listed. And my role, for example, is what EOS calls the visionary. I'm the person who's supposed to have their head up, looking out a year, five years, 10 years, looking at other industries, looking at our competitors, partners, vendors, customers, and trying to move our company and even sometimes our industry in the direction that I feel we should move. Faith, on the other hand, is what's known as the integrator. So she takes that vision and translates that into action across our entire organization. So if I feel that we have a problem in sales, she's going to take that and translate that into our organization 
within the sales function. That might be what we call campaign management, which is part of our operations, basically working with customers on a day-to-day basis, basis, existing customers, or it might be in the new sales area. So I will stay out of that sort of in the trenches, mostly. And when I get into the trenches, I'm overstepping. And then she usually will very diplomatically and cordially say to me, hey, I got this. Sometimes not so cordially, but but it works. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So w- what have you learned about each other since you have been co-directing your company, Faith? It's really interesting because in being the type of leader I I want to be, I've learned a lot about how to create an environment within the team that's safe, that allows for vulnerability and allows people to be their authentic selves. And I think in doing that and going through some of that journey myself, I've done that with Stephen as well. And so I think Stephen and I have continued to grow closer as people, respect each other even more, support each other's growth. And so really, I think that's what has made our business, our work life so successful and our personal life so successful and the way we've been able to blend them. So at this point, we are able to, for instance, get speaking engagements in Europe and be able to travel and then spend some time in Europe together. So we've got the personal and the work all tied up together and really enjoy all the parts of each other. That makes sense. Anything that you learned? I mean, you started this company, you were 15 years into your marriage. So you probably knew quite a bit about each other already. But is there anything that you learned about your husband's working style or I mean, anything that you you realize, oh my God, I didn't know that about him. I think the biggest thing, and I kind of knew this about him, but then the way that it came out at work would be that Stephen is very literal and he's very direct. <laughs> and when he takes things very literally, sometimes that causes confusion because as as we work together, there's the idea of what people mean versus what they actually say. And so what would happen a lot of times in the beginning was that that I could tell what people meant, but Stephen couldn't always tell that because he took it so literally. So that was one of the areas we really have grown in and we've really learned about each other and learned to tackle, you know, what we each need in that realm and how you know, how we could move forward in a better way. It's actually one of the ways that we've uh, gotten Stephen out of the weeds. You know, he he said, he joked about getting too far in the weeds sometimes. I think that's where a lot of that came in. And by having him focus on the vision and the outer world, we have him less in the weeds of people uh, where a lot of people don't always say what they mean or mean what they say. So <laughs> I think that's really helped a lot. And also just for uh, clarification, so I actually founded the business in uh, nineteen in the in the fall of nineteen ninety one, and Faith and I met in the spring of ninety two. So I, I founded it before she or I knew that the other existed, mm-hmm. uh, and then I was basically leading the company for the first fifteen or so years. I see. 
So can you share some uh, best practices for intimate partners who are considering co-directing a company? As weird as this sounds, I would say that it's not a good idea for most partners because I don't think that most partners can both live and work together successfully at the same time. They can live together well or work together well, but very, very few can both live and work together. I've seen a number of friends um, and acquaintances that are couples where say the husband runs the business and the wife does the bookkeeping or something like that. And it they tend not to work well. My own parents did that for years. My mom basically was like an administrative assistant and to for to my father. And you know, if there was a problem at work, it would spill over into the home. And because her role at work was very much subordinate to him, he was definitely the boss. He ran the company. All the employees reported to him, including my mom. That sometimes that ended up kind of translating over into the home too. And, you know, she would set him straight. It's like, you know, like, no, you're not in charge of X, Y, or Z. We're having this for dinner. I don't care that you told me at work that this is what's going to happen when we're in home. This is what's going to happen. And so I think that's much more common for spouses that even if they really love and care and adore each other, it's hard for them to also work together. In our business, Faith and I have the the good fortune of sort of being co-equals that I don't think that she looks at me as her boss and I don't really look at her as my boss. What I definitely look at her as, as being the head of the company, the CEO where people report to her, but my role as visionary is kind of a little off in left field. I don't have people reporting to me. I don't report to people. And so that's made it easier. I do think that for couples that are looking to um, be in a business together, whether they're going to start a business together or do what Faith and I did, where one of the couples joined the business, that this kind of a structure, I think, works well uh, if if they have the, the, the right attributes. I agree with Stephen. I think that for... Um... Stephen, I don't know if you remember this, but I absolutely said, if I'm going to work in the business full-time, there is no way mm. I'm going to report to you. Right. <laughs> right. So I think that is one of the best practice keys to success. If you're going to co-own a company together is to have similar enough, but different backgrounds that you both have mutual respect for the skills and the intelligence you bring to the business and feel that at some level you're equals. You may not be as good at some things as the other and vice versa, and that's actually what makes it a great partnership in running a business because you need those different skill sets. But if you can respect the other person's way of thinking and way of doing things and what they're really good at, you realize they're better at those things than you are and vice versa, then, you know, then you've got a recipe for success. Stephen and I really 
um, have sort of a yin yang in the way that we have um, not only our personalities where he's he's correct. I'm very even keeled and he can get more passionate or intense, I would say. And the other thing is that we both have skill sets that greatly complement each other. So Stephen has a law degree and is a almost fully recovered lawyer, as I would say. Um, and I have an MBA and so and an IT background. So it really made a lot of sense when we looked at where the business was going and it became a, an internet website that um, you know, my skills were very complementary to Stevens. And so that's how we began our journey together, co-running the business. If I can add something, I think another scenario that I've seen occasionally work is where one of the couples, one of, one of the two people is truly absolutely fine with being subservient in the work relationship. You know, the, the wife runs the business and the husband does the bookkeeping four hours a week. And he knows that's all he's supposed to do. And he's fine with that. And she knows that's all he's supposed to do and is fine with that. So something that's very carved out and very independent, mm -hmm. I think that also works. Where I see the problems is where it's kind of muddy. You know, where does one person's responsibility begin and the other person's responsibility end? And and that I think that just ends up creating this unnecessary likelihood of tension. I thought you were going to do that. No, you said you were going to do that. You know, those sorts of things. So you co-direct the company Cottage Recruiter. Can you tell us a little bit about what the company is about? But before we end the podcast, I'd like you to tell our listeners about your no meeting Monday policy. That sounds like you're envious uh, and you should be. So, <laughs> yes. um, so at a very high level, um, college recruiter believes that every student and recent graduate deserves a great career. Um, we're a job search site. So think Indeed, LinkedIn, ZipRecruiter, et cetera. But our niche are jobs for students and recent graduates. So part-time, seasonal, internship, and what we call entry-level jobs, uh, those that require zero to three years of experience. Our customers are primarily Fortune 1000 companies, government agencies, and, and other employers that hire at scale. They advertise their jobs with us. And then the students and recent grads come to our site, search the job, the job posting ads, um, and apply to them. The answer to this, the second part of your question, Dr. Jermaine, um, our no meeting Monday policy, I think it's fair to say, Faith, that it grew out of my um, desire to have fewer meetings. And the what we do is every Monday of every week. Um, if there's a holiday on that Monday, then we might actually skip that. But you know, pretty much every Monday out of the year, across the entire company, we have a policy that nobody has any scheduled internal or external meetings unless the matter cannot wait even a day. Okay, so for example, 
our sales person or head of sales, I should say, um, if a customer or potential customer wants to set up a meeting to get a demo, then he's going to suggest, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. If the customer comes back and says, hey, the only day that I can meet for the next month and a half is Monday, then our head of sales says, no problem, you know, how about 3 p.m. or whatever the time might be. Mm -hmm. But if he's sending out meeting options, he's not going to include Mondays. And then the same sort of thing happens internally. Um, our tech team, they will have a daily stand-up, a very, a very short meeting, typically 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes. And they do that every single day. So that's an example of a meeting that cannot wait until the next day because they need to do that at the beginning of every day to make sure that we stay on track. Now, what we've found is far better productivity and far better um, happiness. Well, on Saturdays and Sundays, what I hear from friends and family, especially those with the kinds of jobs that you just can't turn off when you go home, like being a professor, being a lawyer, you know, professional kinds of um, what some might call white collar jobs, mm -hmm. those people very often on Saturday and especially on Sunday are checking their work calendars. What meetings do I have on Monday? Do I have a big assignment done? I better work a few hours over the weekend so that I can have this ready for my boss on Monday, you know, that kind of stuff. And so you end up as an employer, essentially stealing time from your employees because they really shouldn't be working on the weekends. That should be their 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 leisure time to 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 recharge and refresh. Because they know that the entire day on Monday should be available to them to get more strategic issues dealt with, they can come in without that stress, without having to work on the weekend, and it starts their week off really well. By the time they get to Tuesday, all that stuff that sort of has to happen this week, it's almost all already happened. And then it's just a matter of sort of keeping up with what's come in. I see other organizations doing this on Fridays so that you end the week well, and then you can go into the weekend with an empty inbox and feeling like everything I needed to get done, I've already um, accomplished. Um, I take it a step further. I also have what I call a strategy hour. It's the last typically hour of the day, usually 4 to 5 p.m., where I don't schedule meetings there unless they're just absolutely necessary. And that then allows me to leave at the end of the day without feeling torn. Like oh, I'm right in the middle of this email and right in this middle, middle of this spreadsheet. I can just, I can focus on it, get it done, and then walk away from my desk at the end of the day and, you know, hopefully make faith a nice dinner. <laughs> 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 this was fantastic thank you faith and Stephen, for your insights and your delicate and rather harmonious dance around the topic of co-directing a company with your spouse <laughs> thank you dr jermaine it was very uh it was very nice and fun to talk to you about it and thank you as well and uh you know if if anybody wants to ask questions about you know us the company or, or EOS, which I mentioned earlier, shoot me an email, stephen at collegerecruiter.com. 
Support for this show comes from Western Carolina University, a campus of the University of North Carolina system, with the technical assistance of Kelly Minnis.